you just watching? Episode 7, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. And I'm Chris Jones. And once again, we're here in the international headquarters for Are You Just Watching? The one and only podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I just love saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Which we talked about last time, too. Yes. Well, we've had some fun lately. Some stress, too. It's been a rough month. It has been. I know that some of our listeners are going to wonder why this is on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when we promised at the end of our last episode to be doing Hellboy 2. But we haven't gotten to Hellboy 2 yet, so there's some movie viewing that has to occur before we can do that podcast, so we apologize. But in the spirit of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is just totally random, I think we can get away with doing something totally random in the middle of the schedule that we originally intended to adhere to. What schedule? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect. Now, since I have a quirky sense of humor, I have to confess that I really like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It makes me laugh so hard every time I see it. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all it's good for, but yes, it's definitely good for a lot of laughter. Oh, yeah. And I've also read the book, and I believe uh, Eve, you've also read read the books, but they were a long time ago. Okay. I, I read the books. After the movie came out a couple years ago, so I kind of remember. <laughs> okay. I read the whole series last September, wow. almost a oh, year ago. So, it was, so you it actually was have recent. more knowledge of what's in the books than we do, because it's been a while for me. Years. Sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Go in with comparison that one. to years. Yes. Yeah. So Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is by Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams was not a Christian at all. Very <laughs> ardent <even> atheist. <laughs> and that comes out very clearly in a lot of his stuff, especially in the book. There are a whole bunch more mm-hmm. uh, anti-Christian statements made in the book than there are in the movie, but yet the movie contains its fair share of them. And that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, from a critical thinking aspect, this book, or book. I'm doing it again. <laughs> this movie is just chock full of stuff to talk about. So at least this movie was a book. Yes. Transformers was never a book. Or the well, <laughs> somebody probably wrote a novelization, but that doesn't count. So yeah, or they will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're very prepared today. <laughs> Being that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a totally random, off-the-wall, crazy, loopy movie, our outline will probably be similar to that, especially with the aid of an ice cream truck passing through my neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Although our listeners probably can't hear that. That's good. At least it's not one of those ice cream trunks trucks Trunks? <laughs> where the it sounds like the battery is running down and it, it, terrible so with that in mind 
What you about might want to go get some ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> what about reality? What does the movie start off saying about reality? It's an important and popular fact that things are not always what they seem. Are they? Now, here's here's a perspective I'm taking is scripture says that we we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world. Right. So, in some sense, I would say, yes, things are not always as they seem. There are spiritual forces at work in our world around us. Right. Right. And our perceptions are... We were just having a conversation about this earlier, Chris, that our perceptions are based on our expectations. So, and sometimes we perceive things differently because of our worldview or because of mm-hmm. our what, are, what we expect to happen. And in that way, our, our perceptions can be very false about the world around us and, wh- and the reality that we live in. I think to the extreme that um, the movie takes it, though, I think that they just completely go off the deep end and it's not quite as off the wall as, <laughs> well, as yeah. Douglas Adams would lend us to believe. Yes. So what they want us to think is the world we see around us isn't like we think it is. Nothing can be trusted at all. Right. Is basically one of the points of the movie. Yeah. So reality itself right. is questioned. And they make fun of that in different ways. Like near mm-hmm. the end of the movie, there's a section where they say that this this dueling culture was extremely offended by a statement that came through in parallel universes and all this. And then they came to Earth to try and abolish us, but then they were swallowed by a dog. Because of the size difference that, of course, any normal person would think of. Oh, yeah. But so things aren't always as they seem. Kind of reminds me, too, of the movie Men in Black, mm-hmm. where there's the scene at the end that shows that our universe... Our galaxy, is, yeah. Yeah, our galaxy yeah. is just in a little marble that some <laughs> gigantic alien is playing with in a set. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, ridiculous. Yes. But... An interesting play on scale. <laughs> yeah. But yet, that's how some people perceive God, is that... He's just playing marbles? Yeah, he's just playing with the galaxy, or that, you know, in the old mythology that they always had these things of the earth stands on the shoulders of someone or, you know, that someone actually... On the back of a turtle. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or all of this stuff. And, of course, now we know, based on science, that that's not true. But yet, at the same time, the view of Scripture has never contradicted the findings of true observational science. Which I think is exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah. That Definitely. all of these mythologies, and it's like, oh, nuts. <laughs> yeah. The earth isn't really on the back of a giant turtle. It's not flat? What are you talking about? If you <laughs> sail too far, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth. <laughs> yeah. And while you mentioned flat earth, if people would just read their Bibles, they would realize that the earth isn't flat. And yes, I did just say that. So all of those people out there who think that Christians are flat earthers, no. No, sorry. So I went on a total tangent there. Are are we sticking with our theme here? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) 
one of the things that obviously comes out a lot in this movie is the evolutionary content. I mean, we see oh, yeah. uh, it, there's so much of it that it, we could almost spend an entire podcast talking about the evolutionary content in this. Uh, it starts off right off the bat uh, talking about man is the third most intelligent species on Earth. And and then there, when it introduces the main character, it calls him an ape descendant. He is a five foot eight inch tall ape descendant. And someone is trying to drive a bypass through his house. <laughs> so it, it, everything that has to do with Arthur in the book, in the book, I did it again, in the movie uh, is, um, is he's always referred to as an ape, an ape man or an ape descendant. Mm-hmm. And that just, I mean, it, it's so obvious it's in your face. But one of the things that kept raising in my mind is, is that all of the other characters that are supposedly aliens, I mean, his, his best friend Ford and, and a, what was the name of the... Zaphod. Zaphod, yes. They both appear to be people. Yeah. And they're saying that they're not ape descendants. That's because so, they weren't on this planet. So what did they descend on, descend from if it wasn't an ape? And yet they look the same. Right, exactly. That's something that always gets me about any science fiction like Star Trek or something where the aliens are all humanoid. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Star Trek has an answer for that. <laughs> that in Star Trek, it was something about uh, a a common ancestor that influenced the evolution. I, I think I'm remembering this correctly. That influenced the evolution of all of these species. And that's why all of these sentient beings out there are still mostly the same. I mean, um, ease for special effects aside, do you think it's also possible that in some way they're admitting that the human form is the best way to have a thinking, intelligent being? Hmm. Like it was designed for that or something? Though I don't know. The most intelligent species on Earth, according to our mice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the second most intelligent species? Our dolphins. Dolphins. (laughs) Who somehow left the planet. Well, they can fly. Didn't you know that dolphins can fly? <laughs> yeah, they just kind of jumped out of the water and kept going up. <laughs> yeah, I like that the movie says, we do know, or maybe it was just in the book, that uh, we don't know how they left, but the point is that they left. Right. Don't, don't bother us with trivial details of wanting to know how something happened. It just so happened, so Thanks for it. all the fish. <laughs> <laughs> now, when, um, when Arthur meets... The, the love interest, I don't know if you can really call her that, but she sort of is. Yes. T- Trillian, or what was her name, Earth name? Trisha. Trisha, Trisha McMillan. McMillan. McMillan, yeah. Um, he met her at a, a fancy dress-up party, which I thought was hilarious. As he said it was a fancy dress-up party, but it was actually a masquerade party where everybody was <laughs> dressing up. So when I think of a fancy dress-up party, I think of, you know, dressing up in nice clothes. So... <laughs> But she was dressed up as Darwin and carrying around a little beagle, and he was the only one that caught that, that she was dressed up as Darwin. And so they had a very interesting conversation. I've got to say, uh, without the beard, you look at least 80 years younger. Maybe. Um, de-evolving. <laughs> well, I feel I should tell you that I do not date single-cell organisms. Okay? <laughs> So this kind of reminds me, remember that beer commercial they came out with that was so popular that they showed like the people going back in time oh, yeah. and, you know, de-evolving to a, a single cell. Well, I guess it wasn't a single cell organism. It went, it went just back to like 
I forget how far it went back. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what pops into my head when I hear that is that she's devolving, but he's like, don't devolve too much because I don't date single-celled organisms. It made a nice joke. Yeah, but yet, of course, saying that, therefore, we have evolved from single-cell organisms is what the movie is saying. Right. Well, it makes sense that the the whole point of the movie is that there is no point and this is all random chance. And that is an absolute giveaway if you believe in evolution yes mm-hmm. so if you start with evolution of course you're going to get chance and the observed that's right. all that there is right yeah so well let me ask then since you bring that up would you say that douglas adams wrote this this series of books with an agenda or was he being entirely 100 percent consistent with his worldview because the reason i say that is because the worldview of there is no God, there are no absolutes, leads to exactly what we see in this movie. I, I think it's probable that it was kind of both. I mean, of course, when you write something that is this consistent, you are inadvertently pushing that worldview onto other people and making them realize, hey, if you start here, you're going to have to end up here. So just skip all of the in-between when you're trying to figure out what's what and just realize that there is nothing to figure out. So just, you know, basically just go on with your life is really what all the people are doing in the movie. They just, you know, stop bothering about purpose and, you know, destiny and all that stuff. And they're just like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get up in the morning anyway. Just have fun. Live yeah. for the fun. But you know, it's a little bit of a self-mockery too, because near the end of the movie, you see them making planet Earth. And they're talking about it being a 10 million year program. Well, according to evolutionists, the Earth is a lot older than that. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you see them coming down to their making the second version of Earth, and they're painting Ayers Rock, and they're filling the oceans and, and creating the Fords, and they're they're actually supporting in a way an intelligent design aspect of it that it all was made that way yeah it didn't so just randomly happen it, it didn't it randomly was... happen it was made by an intelligence to look the way it looks and, and even with an appearance of age and all of that so yeah now two things along that line is what the 10 million year project i think they're referring to human beings were the mm-hmm. 10 million year project because the computer deep thought that designed earth and designed this project that would make sense yeah said, and the book kind of clarifies this a little bit more that humans are the computer and mm-hmm. in the movie that says that this the computer whole would have is. a biologic aspect right and that humans are the computer for this new project and humans are the 10 million year project mm-hmm. not necessarily earth but the other thing is it wasn't in the movie i thought it was in the movie but it is in the book they say that when they're recreating Earth, there's a spot in there where Slarty uh, Bartfast, or whatever the name was, we're Slarty, whatever, <laughs> um, was saying that they still needed to go and seed the fossils throughout mm-hmm. the planet. And it's weird that they say that in, and include that, but it's obviously intentional mm-hmm. in saying that in the book. And that's what some people actually believe, is that God sprinkled these fossils throughout Earth to test our faith in uh-huh. Him. Oh. And I've seen some evolutionists say, that's about that makes the most sense of all of the creationist explanation. And, <laughs> and they say it in all seriousness, that yeah. they think that's our best explanation for why there are fossils in rock layers. 
They don't listen very well. No, no, they don't. And the reason is they don't like the basis that we have in science for the explanation of the global flood and the fossils as a result and all of the rapid formation. That. Yeah. Apparently, nothing in this world can happen at a great rate. So we have to, you know, just say that it, oh, it was just planted there because, you know, it can't actually have been different in the past. Everything that's happening now is what's always happened and always will happen. Yeah, and the the rate of things. I have to mm-hmm. laugh oh, at the Vogons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, like complete government agency. Bureaucracy type. at Bureaucracy. its finest. Well, you know, I think that they, they that with the Vogons, they, they did mess up, mess up one thing. They showed her being sentenced and, and the sentence immediately being carried out. That never happens in a yeah, bureaucracy. true. It's like she would normally have been taken down to a holding, you know, where she could file appeals endlessly for years and years and years until she was a really old woman. And then she could possibly, the sentence might have been carried out. So in Christianity, we believe in life after death. In bureaucracy, they believe in a death sentence after a life sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should trademark that while it's still on my mind. That's pretty good. <laughs> One of the other things that they said that was kind of a science thing was... Space, says the introduction to the Hitchhiker's Guide, is big. Really big. You just won't believe how vastly, hugely, mind-bogglingly big it is. Uh, And so on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely space is big. There's a really, really cool planetarium show at the Creation Museum. It, yeah, everybody's got to go visit. Everybody's got to go visit because there the planetarium show ha- sh- deals with the scale of the universe, which was absolutely phenomenal. Like and it, you try you you think you understand how big the universe is and then, you know, you go and see something like that and you're like, "Nope, still didn't get it." <laughs> <laughs> I guess in in one aspect the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy entry on how big space is is probably a uh, accurate portrayal. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. And for us, that just showcases how incredibly powerful God is. Yes. And for us, it's amazing that he created all of this that we can never reach in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for us to explore, humanly explore outside of our own solar system, mm-hmm. uh, let alone you know, live or colonize or space travel and all of this. And I love how in Genesis, when it's giving the creation account, in Genesis 1, 14 through 16, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. So that's talking about just within our solar system, the sun and the moon. And then that huge galaxy, the huge universe out there mm-hmm. that we can never reach, it says, he yeah, made the, the stars, stars also. also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> that huge, ginormously, so big, you can't even imagine it universe. He made that also. Yeah. <laughs> He's that powerful. Yes. And it's not just a matter of scale. 
because I think that's one of the things that they they kind of keep trying to show in this in this movie is that it's just a matter of scale. I mean, going back to our conversation about the aliens who came to Earth and to avenge some horrible offense and then got eaten by a dog because the scale was off. Right. It's like God isn't just bigger than us. He's outside of everything. Think, yeah, he's outside of time. He's outside of the universe. He's he's just it's not just a matter of scale. Right. It puts it far beyond what anything this movie could even comprehend, even though they try and they do a lot of mocking of it. It almost seems impossible to imagine how big the universe is. Did you like my segue? Yes. That's impossible. No, just very improbable. (laughs) (laughs) Impossible, but not, but wait. wait. Improbable, but not impossible. Yeah. It, again, it's back to the whole evolutionary thing. It's so incredibly improbable that that happened, but it, quote, did happen. And so anything, therefore, is possible. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's definitely almost like a line from the evolutionist mm-hmm. theory book. Is well, At what point is something so improbable, improbable that it's impossible? Mathematicians say it's, I believe it's, one in 10 to the 47th I power? think that, that sounds right. Yeah. It's, it's something up there. Yeah. And they present a number much bigger than that. Right after that space's big quote, they, they go on to say that the probability that the hitchhikers would be picked up within the 30 seconds that they are in space, which, by the way, according to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you hold your breath, you can survive in vacuum for 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'd like to see the person who tested that theory, <laughs> um, that they would be picked up and it was like a long, it was like a eight digit, it was 10 to like an eight digit number, yeah. and, um, and that, which was highly improbably enough. It was a enough. 10 digit number because it was, it was someone's phone, phone number. number. Yes, it was the phone number of the flat where Arthur and Trillian met, so uh, where the party was held. So Now, what are the chances of that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just multiplies it even more. Right. So anyway, is they just playing with the whole probability thing is 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 becomes completely absurd. But speaking of the the whole uh, mockery of probability. Well, just the mockery of religion. Oh. I mean, there's so much of it in this book and we we've talked about the true creation story that's in the Bible. There's a pretty interesting one here in the movie. In the beginning, the universe was created. This made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. Many races believe that it was created by some sort of god, though the Jatravatid people of Viltvodal VI firmly believed that the entire universe was in fact sneezed out of the nose of a being called the Great Green Art Seizure. Habakamona! The Jatravatids, who lived in perpetual fear of the time they called the coming of the Great White Handkerchief, were small blue creatures with more than 50 arms. So it goes on from there, but <laughs> it's, it's absolutely hilarious that they, they have to, to find some way to mock the creation myth. I mean, that's really oh, yeah. basically what, what they're doing with that whole statement, is that they're just found a way to mock the... And that's the, the problem story. of the movie is that they put it in such a way that you start laughing because it's so funny, but it's mm-hmm. not funny because that's actually what. Well, I mean, loosely, 
what happened. I mean, God, in fact, did create the universe. But he then, you know, wasn't booed off the stage that he was doing it. I mean, <sighs> it's yeah. really funny, but it, you, you shouldn't be laughing at it. It's like they want you to think the biblical story of creation is just as equally stupid. preposterous and yeah. stupid as someone sneezing the universe into existence. Which would be an accident. I mean, if you sneezed, it would be just an ultimate accident. Very or true. God created the world with purpose. I mean, it says that it was with purpose. It's like there, there, there was so much purpose to it that God, you know, spoke it into existence. It wasn't an accident like a sneeze would be. In fact, in Isaiah forty-five eighteen, it explains a little bit of that God did create Earth with a specific purpose. Isaiah 45, 18 says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place. It wasn't just snot. Right. But it was seized. <laughs> but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And it says in Proverbs sixteen three through 4 Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. So everything he made has a purpose. On the other hand, the fact that this movie has such a mockery of religion in it makes perfect sense if all that there is is man. And man's religion in and of itself, if he designed it, it of course is going to be absurd and ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you take God out of it, which is what this entire book does, then any form of religion that there will be will be pointless. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I like um, a speaker at Answers in Genesis, Mike Riddle, points that out in one of his talks. He asks people, I want you to add two plus two and tell me the answer, but it can't be four because I don't like the number four. It's a little too religious. And then he gives all of these qualifications that I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to list again but of what the answer can't be. Basically saying four in any other form of just saying the word four. And he makes the point that if you reject the truth, then you Mm -hmm. can accept anything in its place. If two plus two doesn't equal four, then you can accept any other number. And then you get 1984 and it's just a bad time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was also thinking about that. (laughs) Two plus two equals five. And Weston had won the victory over himself. That would be an interesting thing to do a discussion on. 1984. I'm not sure if there are any good movie editions of it. Well, I mean, you know, Eve does do blogs on on books so if you ever run out of something you should do 1984 okay i have to read it again it's been a long time so moving on we'll re-engage our infinite improbability drive and see where it has us next in the podcast oh let's try this one (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that guys Normality? Forget it. The mind of the bowl of petunias as it fell was, oh no, not again. (laughs) Many have speculated that if we knew exactly why the bowl of petunias had thought that, we should know a lot more about the nature of the universe than we do now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, totally random, but what do you think it means? (laughs) 
Uh, I was just amused at the thought of the petu- bowl of petunias thinking anything, Isabel. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> so I guess bowls of petunias fall a lot. It talks about how people, quote, people say that if we understood why the petunias thought that, we would understand, you know, life, the universe, and everything. But, I mean, that's, that's the whole contradiction in the movie, is that there is no point in life, but everybody's looking for a point in life, and... And, and it's just this whole back and forth thing, and and people aren't satisfied with there not being a point. Makes sense. Which the movie makes a point about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that people are looking for a purpose and a point because we sh- we are built with or designed by God to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're living in a life that has no purpose, then you're yearning after a purpose. And again, if you reject God, mm-hmm. then you have to accept something else or make up something else in his place. Right. And people will. Even if they say they don't believe in any deity, well, they still do believe they have some kind of purpose in life, even if it's just their own pleasure, like the hedonists out there that just focus on life is all about just having fun and the pleasure of it all. Mm-hmm. That's their purpose in life. Right. All right, engage the infinite improbability <laughs> drive again. Let's see what we come up with. Many millions of years ago, a race of hyper-intelligent pan-dimensional beings got so fed up with the constant bickering about the meaning of life that they commissioned two of their brightest and best to design and build a stupendous supercomputer to calculate the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So our improbability drive is broken because that's what we were just talking about. <laughs> so what are the chances that we would have continued that discussion? Huh. <laughs> so, yeah, how... All right. I take an issue with the idea that we can create something more intelligent than us. Yeah. Now, yes, we can create something more efficient than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that can do certain tasks better than us. Right. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that Deep Thought was more intelligent. It was just an easy way out. They didn't want to have to spend the time and the effort and the pain to figure out the purpose of life. So they're like, hey, we'll use technology. It'll do it for us. And then we can, Very you know, true. just reap the benefits of it without the cost, which is why they didn't get an answer. And so, Well, they asked for the answer. What they didn't ask for was the question. I think that's kind of important because we have this. The question. The ultimate question. Of everything. That's not a question. Only when you know the question will you know what the answer means. The question of life, the universe, and everything, which has Six no question seven. marks. <laughs> no, the question to life, the universe, is everything is what is six times seven? Forty-two. Oh, yeah. Huh. That's something that comes up in the books. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I remember that now. According right. to random the lettered random, serial, yeah. I think when it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the anyway, back to the using technology to solve all your problems. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart." The reason they didn't get anything that made sense is because they weren't really seeking. They were taking the easy way out, and you don't get anything Mm. when you do it that way. But yet, they created the computer because they wanted an absolute authority. 
They were, or mm-hmm. an absolute statement, not authority, but they wanted an absolute that they could all accept because they were tired of bickering over it themselves. And it blew up before they could get an answer. Yeah. Well, it, and it's interesting that you say they were taking the easy way. Well, the the initial program to get the the answer was seven and a half million years, according to the movie. That's how long it took. So then, then to get the question, they had to start a ten million year program. Mm-hmm. That at, right at the very end of it, I guess getting close to completion, it was destroyed. So. Because what? someone wanted to put a space bypass through there, hyperspace bypass. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Vogons were very British, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no offense, but the movie draws that parallel with the British government wanting to drive a bypass through Arthur's house, and then the Vogons wanting to drive a bypass through the Earth. I mean, you're supposed to make that conclusion, is that yes. they're very similar. Right. Now, this was another, uh, we're going to engage the improbability drive. This was another interesting scene in the movie. Don't think. Nobody think. No ideas. No theories. No nothing. (laughs) Chris, that's your favorite part of the movie, isn't it? interesting observation while we were watching this and possibly (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, that they're on the planet Vulcan where the Vogon Vogon or whatever it is where where these bureaucratic idiots basically come from and they're being punished for thinking or imagining or doing any kind of creative thought any kind of thought doesn't have to be creative and that kind of explains perfectly where the Vulcans came from because yeah. they're punished for thinking. So And all right, do you think there's a religious statement in there? Because many atheists say that Christians aren't using their brains or that creationists are not thinking or that God wants us to not think. That's actually a statement that is in the movie as well because the mice tell Arthur he's not using his he's not really he's using, using his, his brain. brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The Vogons aren't really depicted as a religious race. Like, I mean, the closest they get to religion is paper pushing. Honestly, they just seem to be very lazy and don't want to do something unless they've been told to do it and all the necessary paperwork has been signed and everything. I mean, they're not even willing to chase after a spaceship when they're already in their spaceship without being told that it's okay. So I think they're just lazy. Yeah. And they love their lunch breaks. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Right. So the movie makes an interesting comment about language. It is important to note that suddenly, and against all probability, a sperm whale had been called into existence several miles above the surface of an alien planet. But since this is not a naturally tenable position for a whale, this innocent creature had very little time to come to terms with its identity. This is what it thought as it fell. Ah, whoa, what's happening? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What do I mean by who am I? Okay, okay, calm down, calm down, get a grip now. 
Ooh, this is an interesting sensation. What is it? It's a sort of a tingling in my... Well, I suppose I better start finding names for things. Let's call it a tail. Yeah, tail. And hey, what's this roaring sound? Whooshing past what I'm suddenly going to call my head. Wind. Is that a good name? It'll do. Yay, this is really exciting. I'm dizzy with anticipation. Or is it the wind? There's an awful lot of that now, isn't there? And what's this thing coming towards me very fast? So big and flat and round, it needs a big, wide-sounding name like Ow! Ound! Round! Ground! That's it! Ground! I wonder if it'll be friends with me. Hello, Ground! (laughs) Okay, so that segment talks about all sorts of other things besides language. (laughs) But um, I had... uh, I had to take a class one time and we were talking about language and all that we had the the professor was teaching was that it's completely arbitrary and we call it a chair because that's what we decided to call it and this is big whole complicated mess anyway but um that's actually very unbiblical because in genesis and also in john god is the source of language he speaks and the world is created mm-hmm. and the beginning was the word and the word was with god language is not arbitrary it's based on him now just because we have lots of different forms of language doesn't mean that it's arbitrary. It just means that the Tower of Babel happened. (laughs) And so, I mean, and that's a kind of a subtle way to push that, you know, if languages, if evolution happened and we all just happened, then of course even language itself is going to be arbitrary and pointless. If If language is arbitrary and pointless, how would we communicate? Well, we've all agreed with one another to call a chair a chair. But how because do you agree if you don't have language? Yeah, if you can't communicate. I'm not telling you <laughs> what I thought. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're just following this little bunny yeah, trail. Yeah, yeah, like it, 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 I actually got to write a paper about it, which was very exciting for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, it makes sense and it just pushes the envelope a little bit further. If you start with evolution, then you end up with your entire existence, everything, even language is pointless. Well, once again, our amount of randomness has filled up what we want our episode lengths to be. So I'll split this into two parts. So if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can go to areyoujustwatching.com slash podcast slash 007. This is episode seven. So that's why the 007. We do have a reason. James Bond. Yes. 007. Oh, yes. That's right. This is the 007 episode. We should have done a James Bond movie. (laughs) (laughs) We should have. Maybe like when we have episode 1007, we can do a James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) You think we're going to be doing this a long time, are you? (laughs) We might be. If you'd like to leave us a comment or some feedback for this episode, please do so. We love hearing back from you, and we've still got a lot of stuff to try and respond to. But you can email us at areyoujustwatching.com. You can call 859-353-4332. Or visit the website and leave a comment there on any of our entries there, areyoujustwatching.com. And while you're there, be sure to leave us comments and on, on the particular. But also, you might consider the donate button because we could really use some funds to help upgrade our equipment. So we'll sound yeah. a little better. We'll continue to always podcast for free, but it's mm-hmm. always nice to get a nicer microphone like I have here. <laughs> <laughs> and we are so grateful if you choose to do that. Otherwise, if you just leave us a comment or communicate with us, we're extremely grateful for that too. It helps us know that people out there exist. 
<laughs> sometimes it's easy for, to forget. <laughs> and if you want to connect with us personally, I'm on Twitter as The Ramen Noodle. And I'm on Twitter as Eve Franklin. And Chris isn't on Twitter. No. Still. Sorry. Not yet. And you can follow the show, Are You Just Watching, on Twitter. And this time, though, because of the Twitter length name, it's the letters R U and then just watching. So thank you for listening and thank you for joining us for more critical thinking for the entertained Christian. And we'll be back with a second part on this interesting movie, The Chikers Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, so watch soon. And before we go, the other thing I want to say is thank you to those who are playing our promos. And I want to play another promo here for a podcast that I've started listening to and enjoying. This is Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions. If you're one of those misfit Christians that likes sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comic books, then I'd love for you to hang out with me every week at the Spirit Blade Underground Podcast. Get some news and reviews on your favorite geeky subjects and join the conversation as we compare it all to the Bible. No suits, pews, or churchy language. I'm just a fanatical geek searching for the truth, and I'm hoping you'll join me. Find us on iTunes or go to spiritblade.net slash podcast. See you there, and in all things, seek the truth. So I encourage you to go to their website and check it out, and a great podcast that's really a lot of fun, and they've played our promo in their show, and I enjoy talking to them. I've gotten to know them a little bit. And also, we are listed in the cleancasts.com directory. And there's a little thing they do each month to see which podcast gets the most clicks in. So if you want to help us out, please, on our website, areyoujustwatching.com, you'll see the little cleancast button that has our rank on it. We're in the uh, top 10. Oh, right wonderful. We're number nine, though. <laughs> so <laughs> hey, you it's see- still top 10. Yeah, when you see that button, please click on it, and you can help us even more by not just clicking on that button, but also look for us on the CleanCast directory and click on our website back from the CleanCast directory, and that helps bump us up, and it's just a little fun thing to do. So we appreciate all that help and support. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. And I'm Chris Jones. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching? is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at answersvbs.com.